Good evening, all, and welcome back to the weekly episode of the 2G1C podcast. Tonight's episode of the not-so-typical sports talk show is powered by Trees and Hennessy. For any of you return listeners, please go on and like and comment on the pictures slash videos on my Instagram at 2G1C podcast. To any new listeners, go follow the account for daily NFL posts. You can also find the podcast on Twitter, 2G1C podcast. To move past the shameless plug, last week I explained to listeners the name of the podcast, and this week I'd like to sort of state why I'm doing it in the first place. In a day and age where parents aren't necessarily encouraging their children to play football, people want to debate about why players are actually kneeling, and the change in the rules are quote-unquote making the game soft. We hear this on a daily basis And these are just the things that are pushing people away from football. It's constantly talked about in mainstream conversation and the publications. And I would simply like to point out the things that make this game so fucking great. Simply because I would like to spread the joy that football season brings to me. And I know the other people sitting in this room. With that being said, we'll go ahead and introduce this evening's guests. First, we have Mr. Almost Famous the CEO of Paradigm Wear, another groomsman in my wedding, and everyone's favorite Uncle Frankie, Ryan Rossi. Yeah, um, wow, that was, I I didn't know Coppola is capable of such beautiful words, but that is exactly why we're here to talk some good old-fashioned football. Um, Did want to say, my, uh, this podcast is brought to you from from my point of view, from a little bit of a different angle. Um, I just wanted to thank Four Loco, uh, for hit, getting me in the Uber from my day job to the podcast. I also wanted to thank them for the delicious flavors they sent, uh, two of every kind. And, you know, I was giving it to a lot of my buddies for the weekend for football. And, uh, I mean, what's better than some some football in a four loco? Nothing. So uh, thank you all for, for bringing us here. Um, and super excited to talk. Uh, what a season it's been so far. Hey, baby, throw some uh, buffalo wings in there, and and we'll have the whole package. Our other guest this evening is a return customer and the guest with the best pick'em record on the show thus far, another member of my endless wedding party, Dennis Linker. Go follow him at Dennis Linker, and you can find Ryan Rossi at Ryan underscore almost underscore famous underscore Rossi. Check it out for some good Steeler highlights. Now on to what you've all been waiting for, the week four recap. So just to start uh, with with not necessarily the greatest news in the NFL, with the injury to the most handsome man, uh, it it leaves very little hope for the 49ers. Mm -hmm. However, through four weeks, George Kittle is the highest rated pro football focused tight end, sort of a diamond in the rough. Who are some other players shining on some some not so great teams? So someone that uh, is really standing out to me so far is uh, Jared Cook. Uh, this guy's been around for a while. A lot of times he's had some flashes, and then he really kind of falls off. And, you know, pick him up in fantasy, and then the guy kind of dies out on you. So, But this year, um, you know, he's really making the most of his opportunity in Oakland. Uh, he's 10th in the league in yards right now. Uh, he's got 370 yards, more than a lot of big names out there that you think. And Currently sitting at the number one fantasy tight end. Um, so he's someone on a, a one-win Oakland team that's kind of standing out to me. 
Um, and then the other guy is uh, rookie linebacker Darius Leonard. Um, this guy leads the league in tackles, and he's playing on a one-win Colts team. And probably a lot of people out there don't really even know who he is or what his name is because most people don't really care about the Colts. Um, but he's got 54 total tackles and four sacks and has just been a dominant rookie out there. Yeah, there's uh, there's another um, player on the Colts that I really like. Uh, his name's Quentin Nelson. Uh, he's a lineman from uh, Notre Dame, first-round draft pick. But uh, I've been seeing that guy maul some people out there. Uh, yeah, and you're right. Uh, Indy really is irrelevant. And watching them, uh, Andrew Luck is clearly not the same player. Uh, they do have a nice running game, believe it or not. Um, but, yeah, not not much interest there. A guy I wanted to say, you know, keep an eye on is uh, Jakeem Grant um, from the Dolphins. Now, I know the Dolphins are 3-0. and who believed that they were truly a 3-0 team? Nobody. They got smacked this weekend by uh, kind of a dysfunctional Patriots bunch. Uh, but Jakeem Grant is is playing really well, and so is Kenny Stills. Uh, two weeks in, he had two touchdowns. Production has dropped off just a little bit, but um, that offense is, is clearly able to move. So those are, those are two guys I really like. Uh, just to follow up on the Dolphins game, we got intel from everyone's famous strength conditioning coach. Uh, he sent us video of, uh, coincidentally, protesters outside of the Dolphins players' hotel the night before their game in Foxborough. So, always interesting, old Belichick up there. Yeah, you never know what he's going to pull. You can never count that guy out for anything. Oh, no. The guy that – one of the two guys that has really impressed me – is Kenny Galladay. Uh, he actually mm, was the Detroit. first first ever winner of the Sunday Superlative, and he won it for best hit uh, on his hit against Tremaine Johnson. Truly, truly quite a feat from a wide receiver. He is currently the highest rated player in general on the Lions offense through the first four games uh, per pro football focus. Um through four games, he has 23 catches, 330 yards, and two touchdowns, which puts him at only five less catches than he had the entire last year. The other person that I will quickly go into is Lorenzo Alexander. He's rated at an 89.8 per pro football focus, behind only Mac, Watt, Trey Flowers, um, all with comparable snap counts, 191 for Mac, 260 for Watt, and only 85 for Trey Flowers. So the fact that Trey Flowers is ahead of him, uh, that's kind of a void uh, point for me. He has three pass deflections, one fumble recovery, a sack, and 12 total tackles. Uh, this is a guy that makes me really appreciate pro football focus because you're able to give a guy value that doesn't necessarily light up the stat sheet. So I I'm a big fan of Lorenzo Alexander. Moving on to the next question. Uh, I know this is something that, that has rattled my mind a lot because I am a Jordan Howard owner in fantasy football on multiple teams. In week four, Jordan Howard has his season low 11 carries and zero catches compared to 13 carries and seven catches on eight targets for Tariq Cohen. After scoring 48 points this past week, referring to the Bears, obviously, do we see the game, pl game plan staying the same way? Well, it's interesting because up until this game, uh, Trubinsky had a Trubisky. I'm sorry, I always say Trubinsky. Uh, hadn't really been throwing the long ball. It's the well. Italian in you. Yeah. Hey, 
Yeah, he only threw he only threw two touchdowns, and you know he's actually pretty mobile, good quarterback, able to manage the game, but was handing the ball off with a lot of success, right? To both those running backs, and people said in the offseason they would split carries, and they definitely have, and they've been playing decent together. Neither one has really been been breaking out, but this weekend, Trubisky had six touchdowns, and that's just not natural, you know, like two, and then all of a sudden he goes for six. Uh, but yeah, I still don't buy him as somebody who could throw the deep ball. Um, are like, are the Bears for real? Like, or is their defense just that good? You know, I think they look pretty solid so far. Uh, to kind of go on the Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen thing. Um, this past week, Howard played thirty snaps and Cohen played twenty nine. Um, so pretty, hmm. pretty damn even there between the two of them. And I see in Matt. Nagy's offense moving forward, I see it being more of a 50-50 split uh, moving forward. I think, personally, I I think Jordan Howard is better, um, but I think Nagy really likes a running back who can excel catching the ball out of the backfield. I think that really helps Trubisky evolve and kind of have a nice security blanket when you can hit him on top of guys like Burton. Um, So I think you're going to see Tariq Cohen's involvement only grow from here. Um, it may not be as proficient as it was this past week with those, you know, high yardage numbers and touchdowns. But I think moving forward, you're going to see is it more of a close to 50-50 split. I would like to just go ahead and say this out loud so I can hear having said it so I know if it does bite me in the ass. Uh, Jordan Howard fantasy owners should probably tamper their expectations a little bit Um he might not get you that ring you were looking for. Uh, so far, Tariq Cohen averages 5.1 yards per carry and 12.1 yards per catch. They both only have one touchdown on the year. And so in comparison, Jordan Howard has 3.2 yards per carry and 7.8 yards per catch. Uh, those numbers are, are relatively astronomical in difference. But I do think that in order to continue winning games, you have to keep your game plan true. You don't want to sit there and just know that when Tariq Cohen comes on the field, he's probably going to catch a pass. And when Jordan Howard comes on the field, he's probably just going to run the ball. So you have to be able to involve them both in both parts of the game because they are both great at it. I think you should be running the ball out at the end of the game with Jordan Howard because Tariq Cohen is a smaller back. But I do think that, as Dennis said, you'll start to see a a little bit more of an even spread in in touches as as the year goes along. When, When you score 48 points, you might not necessarily want to change the game plan too, too much. We actually have our first question coming in from a regular listener. Uh, shout out Jay Stark 52. Uh, Dennis, I do appreciate you putting him on to the show. I'm sure he tunes in to hear what you have to say each week. Uh, but a listener's a listener, so I'll take it. Um, his question was, who are the best one-win teams and out of them, who actually has a shot at the playoffs? And I will go ahead and give you guys a list of all of them. The Bills, the Jets, the Raiders, the Browns, the Steelers, the Texans, the Colts, the Giants, the 49ers, the Vikings, the Lions, and the Falcons. A lot of good teams. Yeah, I think it's surprising to see some of those names on that list with only one win through four weeks. But 
the first one that really jumped out at me was the Minnesota Vikings. Um, these guys were in the NFC Championship game last year, um, albeit they got blown out by the Eagles, but still they were in the NFC Championship game and they greatly upgraded, I think, a quarterback with Kirk Cousins there. So um, it, it's kind of mind-blowing to me that they're sitting at 1-2-1 one, and one right now. Um, something that I think is kind of alarming is Dalvin Cook only has 98 rushing yards total on the season through four games. That's, I don't really know what's going on there. I don't know if it's him not fully healthy, if the O-line's playing bad, not really sure. But I think they're a one-win team. They're a one-win team that can kind of make some noise. I think they can get back into their divisional race. It's a long season. Um, and then the Texans, um, I think that division is kind of always wide open. Um, so I think they're much better than their record so far and how they've played. So I think they can get themselves, get it going and, and back in the playoff contention here. Yeah, I, I'll definitely agree with you on uh, on Houston. I thought they were going to be more uh, vicious at the beginning of the year. You know what? I can't tell what's going on with Deshaun because I feel like he got off to kind of a slow start. I saw him make a few bad decisions, you know, I, I believe he had a bad interception week one, but uh, this past weekend, although it was against Indianapolis, he played very well. Um, when he was getting pressured, he threw for 190 yards, uh, 12 for 17. And those are good the numbers. Yeah, they, they sure are. Russell um, Wilson-esque. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I made a few big plays uh, in the, in the overtime, in the overtime and in the fourth quarter. So um, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, I see him as being one of the better receivers in the NFL. Nope. Um, he's still, you know, he, he had a bad drop this weekend, but he's still playing pretty well. Defensively, I mean, we're talking J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney. Um, you know, J.J. Watt is, uh, Cup and I were talking before, I didn't realize he got off to a slow start himself, but he already has uh, five sacks and four forced fumbles. So those are defensive player of the year numbers early on. But Jadavian Clowney uh, single-handedly took over that game. I don't know if anybody saw, but it was actually uh, defensive player of the week in, in the division. Uh, so they those two can really go. The other uh, one-loss team, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw this out there, is Cleveland. Uh, I think Cleveland actually should have beat the Steelers. Uh, they missed a field goal. Uh, week two against the Saints, who's a, the Saints are kind of for real. Uh, they missed a field goal to beat them. Um, and then this past weekend, I'm not making any excuses for them, but there were some really bad calls in that game. Um, so I think Jarvis is is a leader. I think Baker. Bless yeah, bless them. Bless uh, Baker looks good. Their running game is crazy. They have three very talented running backs. Um, so I see them as as a little bit of a surprise. But who knows? There's there's still a lot of a lot of time. The only other team that I will throw out there because I had the Texans as one of my my teams because um, Deshaun is trending in the right direction. So I do see him uh, carrying them to a handful more wins. As he said, JJ Watt is making quite the return to form. Uh, last but not least, I'm not necessarily sold on the Titans. So their, their division is kind of open in my opinion. The last, like, like I said, I will throw one other team into the mix since the Falcons. They've scored uh, 29 points per game. Unfortunately, they're giving up 30 and a half. I think that their ta their talent on offense is good enough that they should be able to overcome some defensive injuries in some of the games to get uh, enough W's to potentially get them to the playoffs. 
My biggest worry for them is the strength of the division. I'm I'm a big fan of the Saints right now and the way that they're playing football. Their defense is only going to get better. So the Falcons might be in trouble just because of the division that they play in. Last but not least, uh, I will interject one last one. The Vikings somehow will return to form. Their defense is not as bad as they are playing currently. And their offense is very capable of putting up points. The thing that does worry me, which Dennis had mentioned, is the lack of yards per carry, I believe it was, for Dalvin Cook. When I looked earlier in the week on pro football focus, the Vikings have the worst line in the NFL. So it's going to be it's going to be hard for him to get any yards. So that is one thing that does worry me. They definitely have their flaws, but they are much better than they have performed so far this year. As a good follow-up question to the one-win teams, we are now down to only two undefeated teams, the Chiefs and the Rams. Uh, between the three of us, are they our Super Bowl front runners in the AFC and NFC, respectively? A hundred percent. You can you can make the argument, and, I, and I'm sure we'll speak about this later about Patrick Holmes possibly being uh, the MVP. Uh, that team looks rather unstoppable. Uh, somebody once said to me a few weeks ago, uh, you know, after after they destroyed the Steelers, I mean, hit him with a sledgehammer, just destroy them. Uh, somebody said to me, oh, yeah, the receivers aren't that good. Uh, Tyreek Hill is he breaks games open. Man. Real deal. Unbelievable. Uh, Travis Kelsey. Rock, I'm sorry. Move over. I mean, Bo- for real. Booger McFarland said the other night, no offense to Gronk, but yeah. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the NFL. And then, oh, what? Sammy Watkins is just on the team, too? You got to worry about him, though. He did pull his hamstring on, in uh, warm-ups on Monday night and sure. did not play. But if he's healthy, he can really play. I do, I do agree with, with Rossi in that regard. I'm a, I'm a fan of Watkins when he is healthy. And Kareem Hunt, this year he's been, he hasn't been getting a ton of carries, but when he does, he runs very hard. Yeah, I think um, I think you could make a, a solid argument for both of these. I think the one thing that worries me with the Chiefs is that one point this defense of theirs is going to come back to bite them. Um, you have one kind of not so great offensive performance, and that defense is just there's no stopping <laughs> anybody. I mean, they. <laughs> Uh, you other, get a touchdown, and you get a yeah, touchdown, yeah. and you get a touchdown. Just other Slinging. than other than Justin Houston, I don't mm. think I could name a solid defensive player. Eric Berry, Eric Berry, very Other hard. than I mean, he's not playing. So you, I think they got Kendall Fuller. I'm not sure if that's the right brother, but they have. Uh, I don't know. He's, they got one of them from the Redskins. <laughs> the, he's, the Morris one. He's horrendous. Yeah, yeah he's horrendous. Uh, it's, so it's, it's like bad. it's like the Morris brothers in the NBA. <laughs> I mean. That defense, I think it's going to cost them here down the stretch. I mean, Mahomes is lighting it up, like they said. That offense is scary. They can put up points on anybody. But I think when it gets when it's cold weather, when that defense becomes more import, important, the offense slows down. I think it's going to hold them back. It's going to hurt them. Um, even when they were in Denver on Monday night, you saw that crowd noise, that environment. Eric Fisher had like four false starts. The dude looked like he was deaf out there. So, I don't know. I'm not fully sold on the Chiefs yet. I think they're really good. But I would definitely take the Rams, but I'm not fully sold on the Chiefs. Okay, so in regard to my personal opinion, both teams that I just spoke about, the Chiefs and the Rams, they both do look great. 
I'm going to keep it simple with bullet points. If if we do think that that's our front runners, golf is doing crazy things. Mm. Their defense is really good. Mm. McVeigh is the real deal. My favorite coach. Smoking he's got. I was. That was my real. next point. My man <laughs> oh. is. He, he's always wow. winning. He's always winning. Have you seen the videos of him? They're asking him plays from like both. Yeah, and he knows the exact no, the play call <laughs> and exactly what happened. The outcome. It's. It's truly incredible. Seeing that video changed my life. I, yeah, I, I, that, that's a man crush if I've ever had one. Yeah. Uh, two points about the the Chiefs, just to reiterate, Mahomes for president, and that's an eye-opening offense. I would like to play devil's advocate. I, I don't – I kind of potentially see our Super Bowl after week four being the flawed Patriots – and the New Orleans Saints. I think that the performance against the Dolphins is going to push the Patriots in the right direction. I think their their defense is never going to be great, but they game plan so well. They can keep you in most games. Edelman is now back. Gordon's going to figure it out. He's already made some plays that are a little eye-opening because of his talent. Uh, Sony Michelle. Played really well last week. James White. Uh, thank God for him in fantasy football. That's a nice duo there. They've only actually given up 84 total points. That's the fourth fewest in the AFC. So I think they're, they've are they got things under control. Granted, it was a seven-point game against the Dolphins. Shout out Frank Gore. Shout out Frank Gore. Also, just quickly on my Saints decision... Kamara is on some sort of obnoxious pace and he's going to only have fresh legs because they get Ingram back Mm. and you you just can't ever count out uh, Drew. He's, he's out there spin moving in in the open field to dive into the end zone. He needs 200 yards to break the record. I'm I'm looking for MVP, man. Possible MVP. Yeah. Look, I'm really looking forward to seeing Drew Brees break that record next year. I I don't even feel the need to, to knock on wood. Uh, Congratulations, Breeze. I, I look forward to seeing you do it, buddy. Cool Breeze. Cool Breeze. Couldn't have said it better myself. So week four did bring us a lot of exciting games. Which one of them was the most intriguing to you? Uh, I say this because there were seven total games, won by three points or less. So for me, there were a few other better games to watch, but the most intriguing game that we saw in week four was the Colts-Texans. The Texans were dominating this game. They're a far superior team, and Andrew Luck somehow willed this group of just idiots back into this game. They forced overtime, and for some strange reason, Frank Reich decides to go for it on fourth down on his own, like, 35 with, like, 40 seconds to go. Doesn't get it. The Texans kick an easy field goal after one play and win the game. So to me, I just look at that. I get you never want to play for a tie because that's pretty upsetting for both teams. Kind of disappointing. But for me, they now sit at one and three. (laughs) I get it. One, two and one isn't that much better, but still it's a better winning percentage. And when you're a first year coach like Frank Reich, I would be trying my damnedest to have the best winning percentage at the end of the first year because we've seen 
in the recent years in the NFL where first year coaches, you don't have a good year, you're gone after one year. And this guy, this team looks like it could be a four and twelve, five and eleven type team at the end of the year. And uh, their owner, I can't remember his name right now, but he's Mercer. always hopped up on some sort of booze and painkillers. So yeah, Jim Mercer, that's it. You never know what he's going to do. So I think this could be something to look back on if they have a just disaster season. He is a wild card. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do want to backtrack on something real quick. We're, we're talking about the Patriots and Cup Super Bowl picks. Definitely, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that he's uh, fond of quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Cool Breeze, an, an amazing one. Um, Against I do, the goat. Yeah, and I do think that if uh, Josh Gordon and Brady are able to make that relationship work, it's like unlocking the code because that could be better than Madden cheat code. Yeah, that could be better than Randy and uh, Brady because there's there's very few athletes uh, out there like Josh Gordon. But um, you know who who are they going to play? You know they're just going to beat up on on teams like the Jets uh, and the Dolphins for the rest of the year. So they have a pretty easy easy route. Do you want to expand on the most interesting game of week four, or, or did Dennis Dennis uh, go ahead and speak your your points? Uh, yeah, I'll also I'll, uh, you know something that kind of surprised me was the Kansas City uh, Denver game. Um, I thought that uh, Kansas City was going to dominate, and they they were tested a little bit at first for sure. Um, Von Miller seemed like he wasn't making as many plays. Um, that defense is very good though. Chris Harris Jr. I think is a top 10 player in the game. That guy very rarely makes mistakes. Uh, and Bradley Chubb is, is really coming along. He seems like a great player. He's, he's rushing the quarterback, but he's also making run stops, which is nice. And I think they're going to be, uh, a very good defense moving forward. That being said, um, they were putting pressure on Showtime Mahomes. He was making plays and, uh, they really are the real deal. Now we know Andy Reid, uh, sometimes when he gets to the playoffs, uh, he just forgets to be a coach and makes some really horrible decisions. So that's the knock on him. Can, can they get past uh, October? Out of my week four games, uh, out of the close ones that I'd just like to quickly go over, it was the Raiders and Browns game. I'm a Baker fan, as I think all of you that have actually listened have figured out. I, I personally actually expected the Browns to win. That's who I picked last week. Uh, one thing that I will say that that stands out to me in the game, I'm loving what two standout rookies did. Baker was 21 for 41 for 295 yards, two touchdowns. But he did have two interceptions, one of which was really stupid right there before half. He decided to throw a Hail Mary ball when he was on about the 50 and could have easily put them into field goal position. If it was third and very, very long, and you wanted to take that shot, and it allows it to sort of look like a punt, I'll live with that a little bit, the, the June Jones effect. But that just was a really, really bad decision. Uh, outside of that, though, he was really humming some balls in. As Jarvis stated, he's got to turn the jugs machine up now to get used to Baker. The other rookie that really impressed me was Maurice Hurst. Uh, it's kind of, yeah. your, kind of your good story behind uh, sports as well. He was actually dropped in the draft due to a heart condition that he was pronounced to have before the draft. Um, so the, the uh, Raiders are really getting a steal here. He had four tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, and a pass deflection. So great game for him. 
me personally, being a former quarterback, I love the back-and-forth nature of the game, having me on the edge of my seat. Uh, wasn't necessarily anticipating that because I was thinking it would potentially be a boring game. Last but not least, to talk about that, Dennis mentioned it earlier. I have to give credit where credit is due. Damn Jared Cook scoring 28 points against me in fantasy after the trash talking we've given him for the past couple of weeks. He is averaging 16 points points a week. Dennis may have already introduced that, but touche Jared Cook. Touche, you son of a bitch. Hey. I think that everybody has their own opinion on this. After a quarter of the season, who are our way too early award winners, and we will start with MVP, and don't feel the need to go too, too far into detail on any of these, because they are just so unbelievably speculative and could change. But like I said, we'll start with MVP. Yeah, I'm going to start with a defensive MVP, and that's Khalil Mack. Uh, beginning of the year, people questioned, you know, is this guy worth the money? And he's answered with an emphatic, yeah, hell yeah. He uh, he changes games. He's blowing them up. Uh, has a sack and a strips and a strip fumble, I believe. Strip sack fumble, strip yep. sack in every game, and that's uh, that's pretty unheard of. So I'm going to give it to Khalil Mack. In my early MVP would have to be Mahomes, uh, even though he talks like Kermit the Frog. Um, without him, that team is a 500 or slightly better at best. Um, he is, you know, running for his life out there. I think he's disguising a little bit of some bad O-line play. Monday night game, he had, it was like 190 yards outside of the pocket, which was the most in the NFL in a single game in 10 years. So I think more than Mike Vick has ever had in his career. Yeah. So I think his like super, superb play is covering some of their weaknesses. So uh, he's my early MVP. I had Mahomes as well. I won't expand on that at all. Well, well said, Dennis. Uh, the only thing I would say about a defensive MVP, we talked about this last week. He's going to have to keep this pace, which it seems very feasible for him right now. Because the last defensive MVP was Lawrence Taylor, and he had 21 sacks wow. in that season. Just a point to be said. I think that if he does keep it this pace, it would be hard not to give it to him, especially if the Bears manage to keep winning. We will move on to Coach of the Year. Uh, first, that's that's a tough question. Uh, I'm going to go McVay. Uh, being undefeated, I mean, how how could you not? Uh, guys, guys doing masterful things right now. Um, offense looks great. Defense is phenomenal. Um, doing a great job. Thought I was going to be sitting here saying John Gruden, but uh, absolutely not. And I do feel like everybody expected a little bit of a hangover from the Rams, just to sort of roll over yeah. the fact that McVay had them really rolling as soon as they started. Yeah, I think McVay is a stud. I mean, he's he's got them rocking and rolling. But uh, a coach flying under the radar here is Mike Vrabel. Um, you know, not too far removed from playing himself, but he has the Titans at three and one. They beat the Jaguars, who I wow. think are yeah. the strongest team in the AFC. So, Nine to six. yeah, I mean, in a snooze fest, but still. And then, That's I mean, the balls in this past weekend's game against the defending Super Bowl champs, they're in overtime. Yeah, I think they went forward on fourth down three separate times yes. in in overtime. Yes. So uh, the dude's got some cojones, and it turned out well for him, and they won. So they're sitting at 3-1. They lead that division. So I'm going with Mike Vrabel here. 
Uh, that's a good pick. I did want to talk about. Uh, I did. I did want to bring up this game. It interested me. The Eagle uh, Titan game. Now, I don't think it was the most interesting, uh, just because I'm not sure. You know how much of this success is going to continue for for Tennessee. But you know, the Eagles have been a little disappointing. I want to. I want to go ahead and say that um, first game of the year, they looked really stale. Defense looked. I thought good, uh, but then the next week they turn around and get screamed on by Tampa Bay. Uh, and then they lose to Tennessee. So for a defending Super Bowl champ, that's not the greatest performance. Um, I know teams have been targeting and really exposing uh, Jalen Mills, um, but I thought the rest of their secondary would step up. Clearly not. Um, so they're they're a little uh, they're shaky to me. Just had to just had to come clean on that because I know there's a lot of really pro Philly people out there. <laughs> so uh, you guys might be wrong. Hey, Flit. Hey, shout out, Flit. Yeah, hopefully uh, he could get a job somewhere. For my coach of the year, it was Vrabel. He's got three games that he's won by a total of nine points, and I'm a huge adamant uh, behind the concept of good coaches win close games, and that's what Vrabel's done with a not very convincing team. We will move on to Offensive Player of the Year. Um, first, you know, first thought is, cause I went, uh, Khalil Matt for, for MVP. I'm going to say Mahomes for, uh, offensive player of the year, just putting up, uh, crazy, crazy points. Um, you know, I, I can't think of any running backs that would deserve it. So I think, uh, Mahomes would be a good pick. Yeah. I think for me, I went with Alvin Kamara. Uh, he's mm. pretty much playing running back and receiver at the same time for the Saints. Uh, he's currently on pace for 160 catches and 2,300 yards from scrimmage. So that will slow down. Obviously, Mark Ingram's coming back from suspension. He can't keep that up, but he's my offensive uh, player of the year right now. That was the stat that I was going to present. I don't think much more needs to be said. Alvin Kamara was my offensive player of the year as well. Defensive player, I will just quickly start. I had Cleo Mack. That's because I didn't have him as my MVP. I think it's if Khalil Mack keeps up this pace, it will be a back and forth between who wins MVP for Khalil Mack and, and Mahomes, and that will decide who is offensive and defensive player of the year, in my personal opinion. Yeah, Mack for me as well. Uh, I think it's I think it's easy here. Yeah, maybe one day Mahomes will throw an interception. Who knows? <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. Offensive rookie. I'll go with uh, Calvin Ridley here. Um, he's got 264 yards through four games. Uh, he's got six touchdowns. He currently leads the entire league in touchdown catches. So I think he's really stepped it up here. Um, he's showing why he was so great in a first-round draft pick. So I'll go Calvin Ridley. Yeah, uh, I would like to say Saquon, too. Uh, I don't think he's been... Uh, dominant enough, but if you watch any Giants games, which you know I have, uh, offensive line isn't good, and he's really creating opportunities for himself. I know Calvin is definitely the the sexier pick right now, but uh, you know if uh, Saquon's had some great big plays, you know, sixty yard runs, forty uh, yard runs, just gashing defenses with with a bad offensive line, and will do anything to score a touchdown. Uh, as you saw this week when he jumped over like six people and kind of hung out in the air. Yeah. Uh, I've also seen him, you know, plow people down uh, by the goal line. So he's doing amazing things, I think. My offensive rookie, and I will keep it simple and sweet, is I'm going to play devil's advocate on a lot of these. I'm going to go with Royce Freeman. 
I'm just loving the way that he's running the ball. He's going to catch form. He has 10 runs of over 10 yards. So I, I think he'll have a good shot because he's going to get a lot of touches. We will move on to defensive rookie, and I will go ahead and start that one. I'm just going to go ahead and say Leighton Vander Esch. And my stat for you to convince everyone that he's going to win it is because in the NFL, in a year where more tackles have been missed through the first four weeks ever in the history of football, I do believe he has not yet missed a tackle. So that's who I'm going to ride with. Yeah, I, I'll go. Uh, I, I mentioned him earlier, but Darius Leonard on the Colts. Um, the dude is leading that defense. Um, I didn't really know who he was heading into the draft, heading into the season. He's from South Carolina State, I believe. Didn't even know that was a school. Um, but I think he's uh, he's killing it right now. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, Jerwin James. He's everything that we thought he would be. He had a huge play uh, this past weekend. You know, he's taking big chances and, uh, you know, was the top rated, uh, one of the top rated rookies coming in. And he's really lived up to his billing, which doesn't happen often. Yeah, he is doing all facets of the defensive side of the ball. He's getting after the quarterback. He's playing the run game very well, and he's playing the pass very well uh, also. So we will move on to a fun what if. If either of you were a GM, what would your approach be on taking a running back in the first round? And let me keep let me present you this stat. Eight out of the top ten rushers of all time were drafted in the first round, and seven out of the top 12 rushers in 2018 were taken in the first round. These references are obviously made in terms of yards, not touchdowns. So it's tough. It's, it's really tough to gauge that because you look at the 2017 draft where you had Fournette and McCaffrey taken in the first round. Obviously, both played really well last year. McCaffrey's playing really well this year. Fournette is hurt. Um, but also last year you had Kamara and Hunt, third round picks, Tariq Cohen, fourth round, Aaron Jones, fifth round, and then 2016, Zeke, obviously first round pick, for, led the league in rushing that year, but then Jordan Howard was a fifth round pick and was second in the league in rushing that year, and Alex Collins, who's now the lead back for the Ravens, even though he can't hold on to the fucking football, but I still like him. He was a fifth-round pick. So it's tough to gauge because you see these stud guys like Zeke and McCaffrey taking in the first round and Saquon this year. But then you see guys like Kamara, David Johnson, Kareem Hunt, Tariq Cohen, Alex Collins, all these guys taking in the mid-rounds. So it's really tough to gauge whether it's worth taking your first-round pick on a running back or – you can wait and get one of those mid-major, mid-conference guys to kind of slip and fall to you. So it's tough. I don't know if I would use my first pick of my team on a running back when it's been such a deep position the past few years. And, and Todd Gurley, as well as another guy that sticks out to me, he was a first-rounder. Um, he was uh, offensive player of the year last year. Um, so he's, he's done big things. I think the running back is back. And if you notice the one common thread that ties all the backs that we just spoke about together is their ability to uh, catch the ball out of the backfield. Yep. These are all super athletic receiving backs. Uh, and Gurley, Gurley is one of them as well. So, yeah, I think you've got to evaluate the talent. And, uh, you know, this comes down to contracts. And I know GMs have said they don't want to pay running backs as much because, you know, it's not a running backs league. But people better wake up. It is a running backs league. It is a running backs league. 
Just to throw one more stat out about Kamara. I know we've been hitting him a lot so far, but he's the first player in NFL history with 1,000 rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards in his first 20 games. Wow. For me, I, I ultimately came to the conclusion after doing a decent amount of research that I love, I love honestly being able to balance the game with a dominant running back uh, like an Ezekiel Elliott, like a Todd Gurley, uh, like a Le'Veon Bell whenever he does decide to come back. Um, I, I love that aspect of the game when, when you know you don't have to take a guy out. Uh, you're not cha- you're not making people change their game plan uh, just because one running back runs it and one running back catches it. But I'm not sure if spending a first-round pick is worth it unless it's a once-in-a-lifetime type of talent in Adrian Peterson, uh, potentially a Saquon Barkley. Uh, the reason that I do say this is if you look at the, the list of top 10 in yards of all time, there were only six total Super Bowls won by those players, three of which were from Emmett Smith. And he had Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin on the team. I don't think that a running back alone can get you a Super Bowl in this day and age. But I do think that if you add a first round talent to a team that is already talented, you're going to do crazy things. And I think you're sort of seeing that in a scenario like uh, Los Angeles, like with the Rams. Uh, Todd Gurley is really shining there and he has a lot of other weapons around him. So it allows him to shine even brighter. We will go ahead and wrap up the hypothetical GM question. I think we will potentially throw some in there like that each week because I do like to hear what my guests have to say if they were in a GM's shoes. Moving on to this, I I like to give some credit where credit's due, where it's not necessarily placed that often. I want to talk about the best defensive lines in the NFL and Russell, you can go ahead and start that one, buddy. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to say uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Geno Atkins is absolutely dominating. Uh, he had seven quarterback pressures uh, this past weekend against Atlanta. Um, and, you know, I think Atlanta's offense is is pretty good. Um, they have they have some other players on that team, um, especially on the defense. Uh, so I like what they're doing. I also, how can you not talk about um, Houston? Right with JJ and um, Jadavian Clowney, they're edge rushers, but you know, still defensive line. Still your front four. Yeah, and it's uh, in the equation. Yeah, the way they play is uh, they get to the quarterback, so they're pretty pretty dangerous. Yeah, my my best D line front four right now has got to be the Chicago Bears. Um, I think the addition of Khalil Mack has just changed the entire picture of that defense. I mean, offensive coordinators now have to game plan their entire strategy around where this guy is and what he does week in and week out. Um, you have him with five sacks, four forced fumbles. You have Akeem Hicks, the defensive end, with three sacks, two forced fumbles. And then you have big man uh, Eddie Goldman, who's 6'4", 320, and just completely eats up that um, that line play. Every play, he's got to be double teamed, triple teamed. He's the guy who nobody talks about, doesn't get credit, but he's freeing up everybody else around him. Yeah. They actually stole stole mine. Um, 
the other team that I would like to just quickly and briefly expand on is Detroit's young defense. Deshaun Hand was rated at a 81.5 on pro football focus, and Sean Robinson was rated at an 80.9. So it's really cool to see both of those, I believe, Alabama boys. Hand is a – he's the one that picked off the, the pass and ran it back for a touchdown the other year? I think so. Is that him? Or is that Payne? That's Payne. That's Payne. Yeah. But Robinson he, is – But is Hand as well? I'll look that up. Well, does anybody have any more to say about that? Nope. Okay, so we will move on to the next question. Again, I just want to give credit where it isn't always placed, and I would like to talk about your best offensive lines this year. Um, I think for me it was pretty easy to go with the L.A. Rams. Um, They have the fewest sacks in the league allowed through these first four games. They've only given up five sacks through four games. Um, Gurley is currently sitting at second in the league in rushing which obviously he's an incredible talent, but you have to have holes to run through to get those yards. And I think the addition of Andrew Whitworth last year has made a world of difference for them. Not only is he their cornerstone left tackle, but he's been a mentor and leader in that locker room. He's improved the line as a whole. And shout out Rob Havenstein, their starting right tackle. Maryland product, played at Linganore. We played against them twice our senior year. God, was he fucking Probably good. hit half of his highlight tape before he went to Wisconsin. Was game footage against us of him just plowing over us. He's currently listed on ESPN at 6'8", 330. Um, I don't all remember. Of which, all <laughs> of which he pretty much was in high school. Yeah, I, when he was plowing over me, I don't remember that him being that big, but... He just signed a four-year extension before the beginning of the year. So, they're O-line. There's no weaknesses. They're absolute studs. Yeah, I'm, I'm also going to um, I'm also gonna say uh, the Rams, uh, when you watch golf play, it looks like he has uh, all day to throw. He just looks super comfortable out there. And I think the trendy thing to say uh, is Dallas. They have a, they have a good – uh, offensive line, but they haven't been playing well uh, this year. Uh, Zach Martin, uh, we all know that he's one of the more uh, fun players to watch when he's playing well, but they can't get it together. So uh, people were saying that was going to be one of the better defensive lines in NFL history at the beginning of the year, and uh, they have not lived up to that to that reputation. Yeah, Ty- Tyron Smith is is one of the few on their offensive line that's playing right great right now. He's sort of that perennial All Pro. The only other teams that I would like to throw out there is New Orleans Saints. They have a, a, a offensive line that's playing very well. Teron Armstead, Ryan Ramzik, Larry Warford, uh, Max Unger, all performing at a high level. And in Philadelphia, Lane Johnson, Jason Peters, Brandon Brooks, and Jason Kelsey. are Now looking to the future, we will preview the Week 5 games, give you our picks for each one and expand on just a couple. In week four, we had two standouts and one guy that was really just middle of the road. And I'm sure you can figure out. He's still in the middle of the road. (laughs) I'm sure you can figure out who that was after hearing the first segment. Dennis came in at 10 and five. Terrell was a measly eight and seven. And I was also 10 and five. I'm looking forward to seeing how Rossi does. And here is the first game of week five, Thursday at 820, 
the Colts one and three against the New England Patriots in New England, who are two and two. Colts have no Doyle, no T.Y. Hilton, no Marlon Mack. They're not very good. Patriots win big. Patriots win big because uh, Julian Edelman is coming back. I know TB12 is going to be super excited about that. Uh, yeah, and after listening to Terrell's picks last week, uh, I mean, it sounds like that kid is still watching reruns of Hard Knocks. I mean, we're in the regular season, guys. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to go New England as well it, just because they have Tom Brady. What more needs to be said? Moving on to the Sunday games at 1 p.m., the Titans 3-1 and one in Buffalo who are one and three. I think Tennessee keeps the mojo rolling off of last week's uh, big overtime win. Uh, I think they win a close game in Buffalo. Yeah, I think Buffalo has some major problems right now, uh, even though Josh Allen has showed up a speckle of hope. But, uh, yeah, I'm going Tennessee big. They're, they're rolling a little bit. This seems to be a week where there are going to be a lot of games that we are in agreement about. I'm not loving a, the, the list of games. I'm also going to go Tennessee. Like I said, have a lot of faith in Mike Vrabel. Marietta looked pretty good last week. The next 1 o'clock game is the Atlanta Falcons, 1-3 and three in Pittsburgh against the Steelers, 1-2-1. One, and one. I'm going to go Pittsburgh here. I think they bounce back. I think they got to be – Angry coming off of that loss last week at home against the Ravens in prime time. Uh, they were shut out in the second half. Looked like a completely different team there. Looked lost. So I think they get it together. I don't think there's anyone on the Falcons who can cover AB. So I think the Steelers bounce back here and get a win at home. Uh, I'm going to take the Falcons because um, I think the Steelers defense is that uh, is that hurt right now? I think what you will see uh, is an explosion of offense from Antonio Brown and Big Ben. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time. Clearly, those guys are not having uh, on-the-field issues. They're having off-the-field issues, which is affecting their play. Um, but, you know, um, Atlanta needs a win. Atlanta has a lot of talent. Uh, defense, they're a little weak. But, you know, Mohamed Sanu, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley, who from the Steelers secondary is going to cover any of those guys? Good luck. It's going to be like a track meet. So, you know, maybe 60 points will be scored, and I think Atlanta just, you know, overtakes them at the end. It could be a, a you know, massively high-scoring game. But uh, the Steelers defense, every time you think there's no way this team can break again, they break. Uh, I've never seen a more confused secondary. <laughs> Uh, there's a kid on the team named Marcus Allen who is a big safety. I'm like, you know, they got to plug these guys in at some point because, you know, when Artie <laughs> Burns has his back to a play and he's just getting toasted, it's like, uh, well, that's it, you know. So anytime a quarterback drops back against the Steelers, they can throw a touchdown. It's it's pretty uh, it's pretty scary. What, what was that that corner that you used to call toast? Uh, Elvis Toast Patterson. So it is Artie Burns, the new Elvis Toast Patterson. I am going to nominate Artie <laughs> as the new Elvis Toast of the league. It's a hot take if you've ever heard oh, yeah. one. Oh, yeah. I don't really even want to expand too, too much on this game. As Rossi said, I just don't think there's much more that I can say that they didn't already say. There could be 80 points scored in this game. I, these are really two awful defenses. They've got me tongue-tied because I can't come up with the word to describe them. I am just so upset with, like, even as a Ravens fan, I want a, a more of a brawl in the second half against the Ravens. I, of course, want the Ravens to win, but I don't like a 
Steelers team that's laying down getting fucked. That's 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 no fun. I, I didn't enjoy watching that. I, I'm honestly gonna play this with a coin toss. At, I'm leaning, of course, of course, more towards toys. You're really struggling towards the Falcons. So we'll go tails is the Falcons, heads is the Steelers. Oh, well, I'm taking the Steelers. Good luck, boys. Moving on to the next one o'clock game, Broncos at two and two, Jets at one and three in New York. Is it New Jersey? New Jersey. New Jersey. New Jersey. New Jersey. Beautiful New Jersey. <laughs> uh, I think the Broncos win this game easily. Uh, I think that D-line feasts on Sam Darnold all day long. Yeah, it's going to be a long day for Sam Darnold for sure. I'm taking Denver, and I think Case Keenum is just uh, – it's unfortunate they have him as a quarterback, but that defense is good enough to, to get, get by against the Jets. It's all, all it's going to take is a little defense. Bradley Chubb and Von Miller will, will get, get after Darnold. That's a – Nasty little duo. I'm going to go in Denver as well. Next game is Jaguars 3-1 against the undefeated Chiefs in Kansas City. Uh, this is definitely my favorite game of the week. Um, I think the Chiefs win this because it is in Kansas City. Um, obviously, they play, they've played stellar both at home and on the road, but I think they play better at home. Um, even as superb as the Jags' defense is, I just don't see their offense being able to keep up with KC, so I'll take the Chiefs. Yeah, um, my initial thought is to say Chiefs, but the Jags, it, this is Jalen versus Showtime Patty. Uh, and Jalen, you know, he has yet to really falter uh, in any circumstance. So uh, I want to see what that Jags' defense does when we were talking about interior defensive lines. I mean, this is Saxonville here. You know, they got some some real pass rushers. Uh, Calais Campbell, uh, in, uh, the kid from Maryland. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name. I don't want to dishonor him by doing so, but uh, he can really play. Um, they're doing a, a pretty pretty good job on the defensive side of the ball. So Leonard Fournette is out, though, uh, and that makes me want to say Kansas City stays undefeated. I, I, this is – Potentially the hardest game to pick. I'm kind of upset that it's a one o'clock game and it's not prime time. I will not be able to watch this game. Well, of course I will because I they gotta flex that. <laughs> I'll stream it. But the the fact that this isn't prime time is pretty crazy to me. I, even though it's only week week five, you should have definitely flexed this game into a prime time position. I think that that uh, Showtime Blake could show up a little in this game. Uh, to potentially create a little bit of a duel. As Rossi said, it is Saxonville. So we will see a little bit of what we saw last week against the Broncos where they're going to be able to get after Mahomes a little bit. I think if it was in Jacksonville, I would be taking the Jaguars because it's more likely that uh, that Blake Bortles would perform at an, a high level. I, I'm gonna have to roll with the Chiefs and, and Monty Mahomes. He's a uh, he'll figure it out. He, he handled the blitz very well against the Broncos. He was up there changing the play, calling his hot route, and he really feeds on that type of stuff. So I'm I'm, I'm gonna go with KC uh, potentially in a close one. The next one o'clock game is the Packers at two one and one in Detroit against the Lions, who are one and three. I'm taking Green Bay here. 
I think Aaron Jones coming back from the suspension really adds an explosiveness to the running game, kind of takes some pressure off Aaron Rodgers. He looked good and, last week. Uh, yeah, he, he had a great game last week. And um, especially if Detroit wears those god-awful all-gray uniforms again, <laughs> um, that costs them at least seven points. So I think Green Bay wins. Yeah, I, I like what uh, Detroit has done on the field uh, since uh, opening day. I still don't think they're ready to uh, compete with Green Bay. Green Bay's uh, both offensive, defensive lines uh, may not have a lot of big names, but are also pretty good. And as long as Aaron Rodgers is playing on the field, I don't see how Detroit uh, thinks they can win that game. I'm going Green Bay. I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going Green Bay. Uh, it's the same conversation as Brady when Aaron Rodgers is on the other yeah. side of the ball. You got a good shot to win the game. Yeah. Green Bay, potentially by a handful. Next is my squad and Dennis's squad, the Ravens at three and one in Cleveland, who are one, two, and one. Uh, Dan and Scott, if you guys are going to the game, I hope you enjoy it. Dennis, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, shout out Dan Kremens. Sorry, I can't come to this game. Come see you out there in that god awful city they call Cleveland, but. I think the Ravens win a real nail-biter here. I think Justin Tucker hits a uh, game-winning field goal as time expires. Uh, this one scares me, but I think the Ravens win. Yeah, I would like to say Cleveland's, uh, but I can't. Uh, I just don't think they're ready. Uh, Baltimore's playing good football. I've said it before. I'll say it again. When we're better than teams standing across the field from us, we should win those games. I'm going to go with the Ravens. Next is the... New York Giants one and three against the Carolina Panthers two and one who have already had their bye, so they're coming off with fresh legs. Yeah, I think I think the Panthers defense here just smothers that Giants offense. I think Saquon and OBJ will get theirs, but when you have a right tackle who's rated as the worst offensive lineman in the league on Pro Football Focus, that doesn't bode well for your team. I think the Giants are just not very good all around, so I think Carolina wins here. Yeah, I think uh, a rested Cam means a, a strong Cam. He's having a good year. Christian McCaffrey is playing well, and like uh, Dub D Dub just said, uh, their defense is is solid. So I like them, and they also um, just got Eric Reed, so he could be a nice addition to the team. Former All Pro safety, can't hate him for what he does. Great player. I'm gonna go Carolina. I think he actually could be a great addition to that team. You know, their secondary does normally struggle. So I actually do really look forward to seeing another great football player back on the field. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to go Carolina. Cam Newton has a great game. Moving on to the last of the one o'clock games, uh, one that I am looking forward to just because of the records on paper, the Miami Dolphins 3-1. Against the Bengals, who are also three and one in Cincinnati, I think it'll be much closer than a lot of people think. But I think this Bengals team overtakes them. Big names on both sides of the ball. I think they're just better. So I'm going to go Cincinnati here. Yeah, I want to go Cincinnati as well. Uh, their offense is really clicking. Andy Dalton is finding uh, AJ Green and Tyler Boyd is. I mean, that guy's a sleeper to make the Pro Bowl. Uh, actually, he shouldn't be a sleeper. Should be well known. That guy's playing incredible football. So uh, I think Cincinnati's have, is having going to continue having a great year. We've spoke about Cincinnati multiple times throughout this podcast, as in their defensive line, who's been very good so far this year. 
as Rossi mentioned, Tyler Boyd, uh, another stellar player so far this year. You can't ever count out AJ Green. The redheaded rocket is performing at a very high level. I do believe he was one of the highest uh, added players in fantasy football this upcoming week. Um, I think the Dolphins would have the ability to bounce back if they were at home. I just don't see them going to Cincinnati and winning that game against a, a hot Cincinnati team. So I'm going to also be going to Cincinnati. Moving on to the four o'clock game, starting at four Oh five, the Raiders one and three against the chargers who are two and two in LA. We're definitely going uh, chargers here. I think Philip Rivers will have his way with the poorest Raiders defense. So I think Chargers win kind of easily here. Yeah, I I want to say uh, San Diego, but I'm actually uh, going to go with Oakland on this. Uh, I think their offense is capable. It looked okay last week. I think it's going to click a little bit more. Uh, and I, I don't completely buy uh, San Diego. Honestly, the I've been listening to a lot of podcasts over the past couple of days, and that that's just sort of the the common theme is nobody really has faith in San Diego. I will have a little bit here. Melvin Gordon, he's a great player. I really love what he's doing this year. Philip Rivers, him and his nine kids, they'll they'll get the job done. I'm going to go Chargers as well. They play in L.A. now. Don't forget. Yeah, might as well not be a home game. Moving on to the next 4 o'clock game, Cardinals 0-4 against the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco, who are 1-3. This should be a real barn burner. In the ultimate game of the week that nobody wants to watch, um, I'll take the Niners here solely because they're at home. Yeah, this is a uh, pretty brutal matchup. I'm going to go with the 49ers as well. Uh, I just don't really like Josh Rosen. I anticipate him starting again this year. I mean, this this week. I'm also going to go San Francisco. Beathard's out there playing balls out. He's caught awful, really, but he'll get the job done this, this, this week. A game that we do like at 4 o'clock is the Minnesota Vikings, 1-2-1 one, and one against the Philadelphia Eagles. Two and two in Philadelphia. Yeah, I, this this is a tough game. Obviously, we talked about the Vikings earlier um, as being a, a one win team that could make some noise. But um, over under, how many times Plitt's name is mentioned in this segment? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to set it at at four, and I think I'm going to take the over. <laughs> Yeah. Now, too bad he can't play some football for the Eagles. He might help <laughs> him out with uh, uh, his skills there. But, no, I think I think the Eagles' front seven is just too good um, for, as Cup mentioned earlier, the worst-rated offensive line in football. Um, I think Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, and those guys, Derek Barnett, are really going to give Kirk Cousins issues, I don't think. He'll have a lot of opportunities where he has a clear pocket. He has time to throw the ball downfield to those uh, stud receivers. So even though the Eagles secondary themselves have had their issues, um, I think they're slightly better right now. And just because it's in Philly, 
Um, they're probably going to be throwing shit at the Vikings <laughs> on the sideline. Plitt will be there yelling at Kirk Cousins. So uh, I think the Eagles will win. You like that? Yeah, I think uh, Plitt is one more Budweiser away from becoming the next Vince Papali. <laughs> uh, Self-inflicted self Vince Papali uh, just running down on, on the field. Uh, you know, he he still thinks they got a good shot at uh, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, they yeah, and Ben Roethlisberger too for that for that matter. I mean, come on. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, I am gonna say Philadelphia here. Um, you know, the defense uh, from the defense at Minnesota looked so good last year. Xavier Rhodes uh, was shutting everybody down, and they just looked really frustrated and confused against the Rams, as most people have. But I uh, don't see them getting a W in Philadelphia. For me, it really just comes down to who will be able to score more points. As I stated earlier, and Dennis stated again, that offensive line for the Vikings is, is as a unit, not very good. And as a unit, the Eagles front four is very good. Um, I heard something today that said that they will really be looking forward to Timmy Jernigan whenever he comes back. I'm not sure how much longer he's out. But he is apparently a very good fit player in that system. The Ravens had nothing, wanted nothing to do with him and were more than willing to give him up. And he's gone there and, and really kind of performed pretty well. It might be the fact that he's in there constantly with fresh legs, but that definitely does benefit him. Uh, I, I do think the Eagles defense at this current point is better than the Vikings defense. I, I don't know. This is a really, really tough call for me because it's hard for me to not go with the home team in this situation. Uh, the Everson Griffin absence is definitely affecting their defense. He think I think he was kind of an energy creator. He's I, talking to a lot of fake people right now. I kind of, I kind of <laughs> wish I could just toss up a quarter for this one too. Only one quarter toss. Can I 50-50? Uh, can, I, can I phone a friend? Okay. Um, let's go with uh, – I'm going to take – I'm going to go against the green here and, and pick against the, the guys. I'm going to go with Minnesota in a potentially really close one. I'm, I'm, the only thing I – the only way I think I'm getting this win right here is if uh, the corner – what's his name? For Minnesota. Trey Waynes or Rhodes? Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes. Who's Xavier? I couldn't come up with his last name. Xavier Rhodes, if he can shut down Alshon, and that's who he follows this week. I don't uh, think that will happen. I think it will be a much easier task for the Vikings to beat the Eagles. Moving on to the last 4 o'clock game, the Rams undefeated 4-0 in Seattle against the division opponent, the Seahawks, who are surprising two and two. If you thought this was going to be close, <laughs> you take Earl Thomas out of the equation. Rams are going to the score a lot and score at will. Rams, big. L.A. is the new showtime in Los Angeles. Yep. YG is going to be jumping up on the scoreboard. <laughs> that was incredible. He might not be allowed to leave the state. Um, I'm going to go L.A. as well. It's kind of hard for me to not go L.A. I'm going to go with the Rams. Moving on to the Sunday night game at 820. 
the Cowboys at two and two against the Texans, one and three in Houston. Yeah, I think the Texans will win probably not the prettiest of games here. Um, all the Cowboys have is Zeke. He can't do it by himself every week, so I think Houston wins. Yeah, I think uh, Deshaun really has to continue to ride his momentum uh, from the Indianapolis game. Um, Drew Brees is also playing really well. It's going to be a tough game. I'm actually going to go. I'm going to take the Saints. You moved on to the – so I have his Monday night pick. <laughs> Texans-Cowboys. Oh, Texans-Cowboys. Yeah, let me get your Sunday night pick. Um, He's distracted. My, my dogs came down. Sorry, guys. Um, Sunday night pick, I'm going to go – Cowboys and Texans. I'm going to go um, Texans. Texans. Okay. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. too good. I, that's that's honestly what was going to be my my moving point yeah. for for me. I, the Cowboys are a very surprising two and two. I think they're a bad team. I'm going to go with Houston as well. Dennis, now on to your Monday night pick: the Redskins two and one, who have had their bye coming off of fresh legs in New Orleans against the Saints three and one. I do believe Megan Blimmel is going to be at the game with Priscilla. So shout out to them. Hope you guys have a good time. Shout out to those boobies. Um, but uh, I think the Saints will win here. I think it will be closer than you think. I think they've kind of played down to their competition so far this season. So I think the Redskins will hang in there. Might be high scoring, but I think the Saints pulled out there. I will also be riding with the Saints. I think it's hard not to pick them in this scenario. I think it works to the advantage of the Redskins that they are coming off of the bye. I don't ever see that as an advantage in the long haul, though. I'd rather be having my team coming on fresh legs closer to the playoffs. Adrian Peterson looks good. The Saints defense doesn't look great right now. I just don't see Alex Smith outdoing Drew Brees in that powerful Saints offense, especially with the addition of Mark Ingram. Uh, I'm going to be going New Orleans as well. Moving on to my favorite part of the podcast, the hashtag Sunday superlatives. We will just start you guys with the best overall play. I'm going to start with the third and one play call by Marty Morningweg in the fourth quarter in the Baltimore Steelers game when he lined Max Williams up to the center, made sure he was off of the line so it wouldn't be an illegal play. And he ended up, Max Williams ended up catching a 22 yard pass on a play action to the right. It was just a great time for the play call. Everyone would have assumed we were going to run Alex Collins uh, in a power situation. Uh, I was just a big fan of the creativity. Yeah, mine was definitely the Mahomes play where he's running to his left from Von Miller. He's a right-handed quarterback, and he has the awareness in that split second to switch hands and throw it forward with his left hand for a huge first down completion. So pretty incredible play to see. Yeah, I'm going to give it to uh, the Tennessee Titans, uh, mostly Marcus Mariota, uh, converting two fourth downs uh, in overtime to, to win the game was pretty impressive. Uh, some nice touch passes uh, on both of those plays. We will move on to uh, – we will expand on uh, – Best throw. Best throw. And we will talk about my my favorite throw of the week, which was Ben Roethlisberger's back throw, back shoulder throw to A B for a 26 yard touchdown. Uh, it was just a dime. 
AB is one of the few that could actually make that catch, but there are all there are also a few guys that can actually put it where it needed to be. Yeah, mine comes from Jared Goff. Uh, hopefully, he's figured out what side of the earth the sun rises and sets on now. But uh, his throw on the run to Cooper Cup for a twenty-yard touchdown was running to his right, couldn't step into it, laid it in like he handed it to him in the corner of the end zone past two Viking defenders. It was a pretty impressive throw to see. Yeah, I want to give it to uh, I'll give it to Baker Mayfield uh, corner end zone to Jarvis Landry putting the ball in a place where. Nobody could, and what impressed me about it um, on that play and many others, he was actually changing the play of the line. Moving on to the best catch, one that we hadn't done every week so far. I actually have two examples. One is the A.J. Green game-winning touchdown in the right corner. Just a great play to have the uh, awareness to catch that ball when it was going through two defenders. Great play. Great ball as well. Uh, I think that kind of goes uh, – without saying the other was Tyrell Williams, absolutely mossing Jimmy Ward for a 27 yard game. That, that just was very Moss esque. My best catch goes out to Corey Davis, um, huge touchdown catch to not only win that game in overtime against the defending champs, but that was the first touchdown of his career. Um, so I think you can see this game as kind of a launching point for him to really take off moving forward. Yeah, uh, that could certainly be there. Um, a, a lot of great catches uh, this week. Corey Davis, uh, that, that really reminded me of uh, of Terrell Owens uh, catching in the back of the end zone. Just kidding. He got hit pretty hard, too, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, that was pretty awesome. But Stephon Diggs, um, he made a variety of catches. He was just uh, creating space for himself, getting open. Uh, he caught a bomb from from Cousins, but I thought I thought that was a great play by him. Just, just a very impressive play as a receiver. Moving on to the best defensive play, I have two quick ones. Eric Murray's interception of Case Keenum. Uh, that was just a great play to really take the ball away from the receiver. And Brandon Carr's breakup of the pass to Juju in the back of the end zone. Great play to sort of pop back up into uh, a position where he could make a play on the ball. Yeah, for me, the one that really stands out was the Tony Jefferson play in the first quarter of that Ravens-Steelers game. Uh, you see Vance McDonald catch that ball, turn and run up field, and Jefferson comes out of nowhere and perfectly times it where as he's tackling him, he strips the ball from him. And it is just something I haven't – I don't know if I've ever seen that where it's just a complete, clean pickpocket of the football. I mean, that was, that was a hell of a play there. Yeah, and I'm going to go uh, Conley from uh, the Oakland Raiders uh, play you made against Cleveland. Carry on. Yeah, took it to the house. Uh, nice run back. Ohio State alone. Yep. Last but not least, most likely to succeed or biggest impact coming off of suspension. I'm going to sort of play devil's advocate again. There are some obvious ones like uh, I'm sure that will be mentioned, but mine are Vontez Perfect. I think he makes that defense a lot better regardless of the character that he has. Another one is David Irving. He had four sacks within like the first three games or two games last year. He, he could come back in the same sort of shape with fresh legs. Join Edelman too. Yeah, yeah, that was Edelman was going to be my guy. I mean, Rossi hit on him earlier. I mean, he's Tom Brady's favorite target. He trusts him the most out there, and we know he doesn't throw it a lot to guys who he doesn't trust. So. <laughs> 
Um, he's going to come back to a hurting uh, receiver corp right now, and I think he's really going to blow up and have a huge year. Yeah, they're definitely going to do it big once they get back and rolling. Obviously, Mark Ingram is, is the last other one that, that should have a big impact, but we mentioned him plenty of times. That will wrap up the show for the evening. I really would like to thank Rossi and Dennis for coming out this evening. I, I do appreciate you guys taking your time. Again, like I said, you can follow Dennis at Dennis.linker, and you can follow Ryan at Ryan underscore almost underscore famous underscore Rossi. Go follow the podcast, Instagram and Twitter, 2G1C podcast, all one word. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. And just one last uh, blip from Ross. Uh, don't forget to pick, uh, take my picks. If you're gambling, bet on my picks. Let's take a chance together. Let's see what happens.